Check, check. Check. Check it out. What? What's, what's it all, it all about? about? <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> Let's work it out. <laughs> Turn this mother party out. Melon farm and party out. <laughs> We could just do that for an episode. Just go through all the, <laughs> just, just sing, be- just talk Beastie just Boys really, songs. Just yeah, really, just matter of factly state Beastie Boys lyrics. <laughs> just any song. We, we have people call in and just be a show and be like, <laughs> we just read the lyrics to your favorite songs. <laughs> That's it. Don't you tell me to style. You stick around. <laughs> I'll make it worth your while. <laughs> That's right. I don't remember all of it. I don't even think it's the first word style. Tra- but. I, was, I was trying to think what the next words are, but I don't know. Because oh, it's style profile later. It always brings me back when I hear, ooh, child. <laughs> From the Hudson River down to the Nile. I run the marathon to the very last mile. <laughs> that, that's good. We do up and down inflection as you read too. Oh, I give dramatic readings <laughs> of PC Boys lyrics. I like it. You've got to fight for your right to party. Music swells. The crowd stands up. They're clapping. <laughs> that was kind of like uh, Bill Shatner doing Beastie <laughs> Boys. That was, that was sort of like his, uh, did he his, Rocket his Man Rocket or whatever? Man, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what that sounded like. Anyway, hey, it's the Nielsen Brothers podcast. I'm Logan. And I'm Luke. We're, we're back. We're back. And yeah. For those of you who don't know what was happening there, you're okay. You're not. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you. We don't either. Yeah, we were saying the words to Beastie mm-hmm. Boys songs. Just stating Beastie Boys lyrics. Yep. How you been, man? Pretty good. We haven't recorded one of these for a minute. I know they've been coming out, but we recorded a this group is our, of them. This is our first record of 2020. Oh, man. Because yeah, our is. backlog wasn't, so we did the, the last couple that were out. And the first one's 2020. We had recorded it in 2019. So that's true. We didn't record anything in January. So, well, what have that's you been up true. to? It's in February the- 2nd. That's <coughs> yeah. true. It's Groundhog's Day. Oh, that means we're going to have to do this multiple times. Um, that's right. We're going to keep waking up and saying Beastie Boys lyrics over and over again for instead, the rest of our lives instead, until we can until we can get the song all the way through. <laughs> instead of "I Got You, Babe," it's just a dramatic reading of Intergalactic. And <laughs> <Yes. laughs> the, the, the alarm clock switches to six a.m. Intergalactic. That's right. And then we either go insane mm-hmm. or eventually get all the lyrics correct and then we can mm-hmm. continue on with our lives Do you see there's i haven't seen the trailer for it yet i don't know if they've cut a proper trailer for it but it just got bought at uh sundance it's an andy samberg movie and it's just it's a groundhog's day again oh, no but I, the difference because it's called palm springs and it's how this one's different though is it starts at like this wedding reception in palm springs and um I think the the girl she's it's Chris Christina Melody or whatever she was she was the mother in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, all she right. was the in Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like that. She's in Fargo season two, as previously stated on this show, is my favorite thing ever. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's her being at the wedding, and then she notices Andy Samberg's character is like, "Wow, this guy is dressed down and just doesn't care about anything." And then she gets looped into it. Suddenly she repeats the next day and you find out that, oh, Andy Samberg's already been doing it for so long he doesn't remember how long. So it's like a character coming in and finding someone Groundhog's Day like really? in the middle of it, which I think is really interesting. That's pretty cool. But and it just it just set the, it just set the record for highest sale at Sundance. I can't remember what it beat out, 
but and it's Andy Samberg produced it, so they, they they wanted to set the new record for highest sale at Sundance, so they beat the previous one by sixty nine cents. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, Andy. <laughs> That's funny. So that's a that's a fun thing that I know was on purpose. Had to be. Yeah. I'm betting. That is a cool idea. And Groundhog's Day is a great movie. It's gotten I think, you know, it's kind of built a following around mm-hmm. Groundhog's Day, but really funny movie. It's a Harold Ramis movie, isn't it? Yes. It's a Harold Ramis movie. It sucks because that's the movie that kind of destroyed Harold Ramis's and Bill Murray's friendship. Really, they didn't talk for a long. I mean, they'd see each other at stuff or whatever, but they like they didn't really reconcile until Harold Ramis was dying. But like mainly just because Bill Murray was just a pain to work with on that movie, and hmm. Harold had you know was really trying to keep it on track. But it's a great movie. You wouldn't know it. Oh no, it's great. It's hilarious, and you know has a heart to it. It's a nice movie. Did you see? I think it's for the Super Bowl, which is. Later today, the ad it was, it was up on Facebook already. Yeah, yeah. So I just saw the ad. That's kind of cool. I appreciate when guys like Bill Murray kind of like, yeah, hey, this is the thing I did. Yeah, especially he seems like the type that would maybe not right. do that. But yeah. and he's just and it's all about how oh, there's a Jeep now, so it makes Groundhog's Day more fun. Yeah, so yeah, it's just it's okay him, to do it over and over him again. Screwing around with just a, a little animatronic gopher and they got ned ryerson they got ned ryerson back which i appreciate and brian doyle murray is in it yeah 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 i was i was hoping for a second i'm like i hope chris elliott pops up in this but (laughs) that would be that would be great which i've been watching i told you uh i've been watching schitt's creek yeah and chris elliott's in it is really funny it's actually really great is that got uh that's the eugene levy one yeah yeah okay that's what i was gonna yeah i need to check that out at some point i've heard good things yeah that one's that one's really fun um, oh, speaking of other favorite things of mine that I've mentioned on this show, I think you should leave. I just want to it, – it won the other night uh, Best Sketch Series at the Writers Guild Awards. Oh, that's awesome. So I just it, – it's, you know, it's not the biggest, most prestigious of awards, but it's getting some recognition. It beat, out, it beat out Saturday Night Live, which yeah. is where Tim Robinson got fired from. So that's got to feel pretty neat, I bet. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. And if you watch – I think you should leave. You can maybe see why his stuff wasn't the perfect fit for Saturday Night Live. Yes. But it's really funny. So yeah. that's good. But yeah, I just I literally just read that today that I think they must have just had that last weekend or earlier this week or something. But I like when things that I like get recognized. You know, I mean like I have no connection, but it's just mm-hmm. sort of like, Yeah, good for you. Good. Yeah. I like I'm I'm happy for you. Because no matter what, that helps the profile of it. That helps right. you know, it helps sell the show more. I mean, they're already having a second season, but that then, you know, keeps them more in the eye of some certain people who maybe didn't watch the show, like, oh well, they won this award or whatever, you know. Right. Especially for small stuff like that that needs it needs the boost. You know, Brad Pitt's fine. He'll he'll be okay. <laughs> if he doesn't win the Oscar for once upon a time in Hollywood, he'll be fine. But <laughs> Yeah. He's been doing work for a while. Mm-hmm. So what else have you been up to in the new year since we haven't talked on air since then? Um, not much. <laughs> 2020, starting off with a bang there, folks. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> getting after it. All right. That was different. Well, I don't think we've mentioned it on the show, but like I'm, I've been consistently, I'm a substitute teacher now, so I've been doing that more consistently last month. So that's something I did. and Yeah, that's been interesting, which I did not. 
I didn't realize until you did it. If you have a four-year degree in the state of Iowa, you can take a, a weekend course, essentially, mm-hmm. and then become a substitute teacher, which has been cool seeing you around the building for the first time since we were in high school. Yeah. First people, time since people, 2003. I, and I told you this too, people always ask me too, they're like, what's it like working with your brother? I'm like, well, we're friends, so yeah, it's fine. And Yeah, and it's just always wonderful observations from the students like, hey, your brother has nice hair and you don't have any. And I'm like, yeah, yep. See, now one girl, accurate. one girl, though, she said to me, she razzed me and she said, how does it feel to have worse hair compared to a bald guy? Which I hate that it kind of screwed up my whole day. <laughs> I'm, I have thicker skin than that. I, you know, I deal with hecklers. I've been called really bad things, but that uh, it stayed in my head. And here's the thing: dynamite burn. It was a, it's a good, it's a good little burn. Well, <laughs> yeah, touche, salesman. But so yeah, uh, I don't know. That's mainly what I've been doing. I don't know. That's that I want to talk about. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. No, that's fair. How about you? Huh? Uh, yeah, just working on stuff and school and those things. To kick off the new year, my kids and I went to Nashville. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. So we, we rang in the new year at the Grand Ole Opry at a John Prine concert. So that was awesome. It was probably my favorite concert ever. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of cool. Or a lot of cool. That was a lot of cool. Hey, I that said. was a lot of cool. That was a lot of cool. How much I- cool? A lot. Here's the thing. I actually really love that, and I'm going to start using it. <laughs> that's a lot of cool. Oh, that right there? That's a lot of cool. Yeah. Oh, Dave? <laughs> Dave's a lot of cool. I was going to say it was a lot of fun and really cool, but if you put those together, it's a lot of cool. At least words came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a joke about where I tried to say, have a good night, and you too at the same time, and it came out to have a Tagoogan, and that's, <laughs> that's not even close to words. Well, yeah, that's fair. So, no, I meant to say that. It was a lot of cool. It was a lot of cool. If you ever get a chance to go to Nashville, it's a lot of cool. I, I hear Nashville's a lot of cool. Mm-hmm. I do hear that. I've never been myself, but... I think it's on their city emblem, actually. is <laughs> welcome to Nashville, home of country music. It's a lot of cool. Yeah. There's a guy in a cowboy hat wearing sunglasses, just pointing. <laughs> just giving thumbs up like Nashville, Fonzie. Nashville, a lot of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what it is. <laughs> nice. So yeah, but that was uh, I, that was the start of the year. I rang in the new year, uh, laying in a hotel in Wisconsin because I was very tired. <laughs> cool. I, I did a show that night, and it was an eight o'clock show, so I was out of there by ten. <laughs> and I'd spent the last the previous four days in Chicago having having a really really fun time with friends and stuff like that. So by the time New Year's came around, I was like, mm, I'm going to love not being out past 10 p.m. <laughs> Which is in, cool. In small town Wisconsin. So I'm like, I'm just going to go lay there and not realize when it's midnight. And that was pretty great, actually. Yeah, that's I not all that. bad. Well, it's like my favorite, one of my favorite New Year's I ever had was when I first moved, I can't remember if we've, I've talked to you about this. I don't remember if I've talked about it on this before. It sounds like I might have. But um, it was like my first winter when i moved back to chicago for comedy and i was gonna drive out to steve's he lived out in the suburbs like an hour out of town i was gonna drive out there but then this massive blizzard hit so it took me like an hour to get a couple miles out of town yeah and i was like nope so i turned around <laughs> i turned around i went home and uh i think i did talk about this because i played the last of us that was all oh, right was when I, I got that for christmas and so i just i turned the lights off i I swung by uh, McDonald's to get uh, a Coca-Cola because I had a bottle of whiskey I knew I wanted to mix it with at home. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, then, 
and then I um, and then I just sat in my uh, my basement unit, uh, just in the dark playing video games. I'm like, this is the best New Year's ever. <laughs> That's cool. I love not going to parties when it can be avoided at times. Well, yeah, some of that gets to be a bit much. I think this year was my favorite New Year's ever, but it was just perfect in the sense that we were at this Grand Ole Opry show. They rang in the New Year's part of the show. John mm-hmm. Prine's my favorite musician. He had a bunch of special guest stuff. And then I'm there with my kids, so it was like yeah. a cool shared experience. So, And it was it was not the being downtown and all the mess of people right. and all that. I mean, m- most of the people at the Grand Ole Opry come are, to are a show. Are not a lot of cool. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I think they are a lot oh, of cool. Oh, they're a lot of cool. Okay. Because they, you know... It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the big party scene. It was people there to watch a show, and it was a pretty good time. They're a lot of chill, is what they are. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, also good. Because New Year's Year's and Halloween are the main ones that, uh, they're what I like to call look-at-me holidays. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Where it's not really actually about having a great time, it's about being seen having a great time. (laughs) <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> sure because usually when i go to like a new year's or halloween party no one seems like jazzed to be there <laughs> but there's a lot of like oh my god look at i'm in these photos you're obligated to have fun yes you're obligated to have the night of your life yeah i've never liked that in any social situation where it's like feels like it's being thrust upon you like yeah i'll just have fun the way i have fun i don't mm-hmm. need to do this specific thing. Well, that's why I always find, like, when I find people who I'm good friends with, it's when I can sit with them in chairs, and we can have some beers or whatever, but, like, we don't have to go do a thing. Right. Because when you, like, first start hanging out with someone, the people are like, we want to do, you want to go do something? I'm like, oh, no, we don't have to, though. We can just be here. And I, I like doing stuff, if there's a plan. But if there's not a plan, it's like, well, let's not just go wander and try to, you know. <laughs> right. Especially in a place where we live already. If we're in somewhere new, yeah, we can just wander. That's great. In a place you don't live. But it's like, no, nah, I'm like, I, this is my neighborhood. I don't want to walk around. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have a dog. I already walk my dog. <laughs> right. I also think that's a good litmus test for how well you really get along with somebody, whether it's just like a friend or in a relationship or something. It's like, mm-hmm. If you can do nothing yes. and you don't need to fill every second with conversation and stuff either, like you can just mm-hmm. sort of be around each other and that's nice and yeah. you don't need to do a lot more than that and you can lose track of time in that way where you're just like oh crap it's already 11 you know or whatever. right yeah or you know i mean eight o'clock for you yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah early to bed everyone get out <laughs> siren's about to go off that, that's <laughs> you true. gotta get to <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right the purge is about to start yeah. get inside yeah it's weird like right before nine luke starts really putting down his shutters <laughs> <laughs> i do puts the I boards close my blinds my the blackout drapes are just you a like good it, way to go you like it dark in here you i do. do yep yeah if i'm watching a movie well because i have a street light Right oh, that's true. You in do front of right my, there. you know, right in front of my house. So if we're watching a movie or something, it's not bad, but you get a little, little glow through there. So mm-hmm. I like to black it out. That's so I got true. blackout curtains in the living room and my bedroom and both the kids' bedrooms, and it's dark. I'm weird. I kind of like I like having curtains up, obviously, for like when I'm going to bed and stuff. But I, I, I don't love the blackout ones because in the morning I kind of like knowing it's morning. It messes sure. me up when I wake up and it's still black. But then right. out, then I look at the time. I'm like, is ten o'clock? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, no. There's a whole day yeah. now. I'm, this is a whole new recalibration I have to do. <laughs> right. 
Well, that's kind of granted. Of, you don't never sleep in that late, so so that's part of the reason I got them too. Because if I stay up late doing stuff, if it is like well, like a day like today, mm-hmm. and I don't have to be somewhere in the morning, I want to sleep in a little bit where I'm normally if if sunlight is cracking through the window, I am up. Yeah. So. Oh, really? Yeah. See, mine it doesn't wake me up like that. It's hmm. just but when I wake up and there's some sunlight coming in, I at least have. A sense of what reality is. Yeah. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I'm realizing I'm dumb and I wake up in a panic. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the first thought when I wake up is, when is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's time. Sun. I need yeah. the time. <laughs> the sun's dead. Like a <laughs> It didn't come up today. They said it always would, but today it didn't. <laughs> That's kind of like the back to Groundhog's Day. It's just like, um, there's, there's no tomorrow. There wasn't today. <laughs> yeah. That's a great line. That made me think of, I was listening to some like audio short stories earlier. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to some Ray Bradbury stuff. And I don't know if I had read it before or heard it before when I was younger, but it sort of struck me as I listened to it. Um, his All Summer in a Day, or that's something in the title. Have you ever heard that or read that? Mm-mm it's really interesting like all ray bradbury stuff or a lot of it it's about basically a world where like the sun doesn't come out okay you know so it's all i don't know it's all pollution it's all whatever the sun doesn't come out right and the meteorologists are predicting that the sun might come out for a little bit today you know for like two hours or something that the sun might come out so and it's these kids all at school, mm-hmm. and they're all amped up. Like, is the sun really going to come out? Is it going to come out? And like, if the sun's going to come out, they're going to go outside and play in the sun for whatever they have for an hour, mm-hmm. type of deal. And there's a girl in the class that they're kind of picking on, and they lock her in a closet. And then the sun does come out, and all the kids go outside to play. And this is like the only time the sun might come out in their lifetime. Oh, and wow. she misses it. She's inside. Oh. So it's it's like one of those, it's not a happy ending no. story, but it's just like, a, oh, like, could you imagine if the sun only came out once in your lifetime and you didn't get to go play in the sun? Yeah, that would be rough. <laughs> so Fun. Th- there's that bummer yeah. no but it was just one of yeah. those things that hit me where i was like oh man like try to put yourself in the reality of it like yeah. it was just a really short simple story yeah. but like that would not be cool and then you you your phone planet you threw it on the ground and you said suck that little girl and then you ran outside and ran around the that's sun. right they get the sun all the time <laughs> oh man i have it way better than this stupid girl <laughs> walking on sunshine <laughs> that's right anyway that just made me think of that it's kind of mm-hmm. a weird bum- bummer yeah, aside in the yeah. middle of the podcast it is, it is an interesting <laughs> i like when podcasts have a real reset in the middle where <laughs> <laughs> Where everyone's having a good time. <laughs> well, this is our Groundhog's Day. All right, so Beastie Boys. Let's, let's. It's going to be our new thing. We're starting talking talking Beastie Boys lyrics. Then it's going to be fun conversation. Mm-hmm. Then right in the middle, I'm going to talk about something depressing. I like that. Yep. It's like Patton Oswalt had a bit where he was he was like, as, as you are in comedy longer, you should have to do this to prove you're good at it, is after every joke, eventually you have to say something that's really, really bad. <laughs> to reset, he's like, see, he's like, and that's what happened anyway. I think Hitler was right. So anyways, it's the 
store the other day. <laughs> he's like, you should, he's like, you should just have to do that to make the others go, wait, what? And then you got to win them back. <laughs> That's funny. Patton Oswalt's awesome. Patton Oswalt is awesome. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, since we haven't, uh, I just a, a theme of the show too. I need to uh, amend some of my picks for best of 2019 because something I saw right at the end of 2019, I've already talked with you about it and you're going to hate that I'm bringing it up now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but probably go ahead. One of my favorite things ever, the movie cats, you guys, if you get the chance to see the movie cats, it may be the last thing you ever see, but oh my God, it's so great. (laughs) It's so bad, but it's so great. It's a nightmare, but I love it. Anyway, that's it. I just want to, so Elaborate for those listening. You've you've talked to me about it because you love what it is. I love, why yeah. do, why do you love it? It's just so perfectly wrong. <laughs> they somehow did so much wrong and spent so much time and money on it. So many people had to say, "Yeah, man, keep going." <laughs> to make it, and it's like because the technology exists to make these CGI cat people, but they chose to do it wrong so they became more nightmarish because they didn't do it with proper mocap suits yeah they did it in just these kind of gray overalls and then we're supposedly doing this new technology to put over it but actually it would have looked way better if they'd done it with proper old mo- like motion capture suits yeah um and it's just it's just a nightmare just the faces don't even look like they're connected to it <laughs> i mean cats is a nightmare on its own too just i've i've done some i'm in deep you guys I did some deep dive into, and I read the story. There is no story to Cats. It's just uh, it, literally the story of Cats is, ah, oh, now this frigging cat's going to sing about itself. <laughs> that was neat. Hey, what's over here? <laughs> oh, this frigging cat's going to sing about itself now. All the words are nonsense. They're jellical cats. One's named Skimbleshank. None, nothing makes sense. It's all, it's all just... Little known fact, Cats, written by a cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actual cat wrote it. Just, yeah. You, they have uh, old pictures of it. It was just walking around on a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> it fell asleep for a while. <laughs> no, they're based on uh, poems by T.S. Eliot. I did not know that. Yeah. He wrote a book called, like, The Jellical Cats. So some of, a lot of the songs from Cats, they straight up just take these T.S. Eliot poems because turns out T.S. Eliot was just a goofy cat lover. Okay. And he wrote all of this just nonsense. He's like, oh, this one's a Gumby cat. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean, T? Huh. Is <laughs> it T? Mr. T? <laughs> <laughs> yep. T.S. Eliot later starred in The A-Team mm-hmm. and, and, Rock- and Rocky Three. What Do you know his stance on fools? <laughs> I... I believe he pities them. That sounds right. That sounds yep. familiar. I believe he pities the fools. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I could do an hour-long breakdown of why cats. I need to watch it again, which is <laughs> a sentence I said. Said only Logan. Well, when I left the theater, too. <laughs> How many people were there? Uh, me, the person I was with, and then two other people behind us. Gotcha. And just we just kept laughing because it was just... And at random times, nothing would make me laugh. It was just my brain would break. (laughs) Sure. Because literally the thought in my head would just be like, this is happening. Someone made this. The thing is, too, is how sexual they all are. Like, they're all just so, like, they're just writhing around constantly. It's like, why was that the choice? Why are these cats all so dang horny? Like, why is this a thing? It's really unsettling. But it's really bad. But as I was leaving the theater, though, they had on a table, they just had a, it's a big, it's a movie, like movie theater size poster. 
for cats, and it's just draped over a table. And it's got a little sticky note on it that says free. <laughs> and I just said, oh, I'm taking this. And a guy at the at the box office, he's like, yes, you can have that. No one wants it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm taking this. So I got a big cats poster now, too. Excellent. It's so bad. Have you watched the stage show? Uh, not in its entirety. Okay. I remember seeing some of it. In middle school, I remember them showing us some of it when they did that first big like film because they filmed like a production of it. Yeah, and I remember they were showing that it was on like PBS and stuff. So I remember being shown that for some reason in like sixth grade. I don't know why, but we'd watch some of it. And you're just, at that age too, it's like the songs didn't really. I was just like, ah, oh, these people dressed like cats. I hadn't really paid attention to it really much. Right. Um, I've since watched some clips of the live production. <laughs> yeah i mean just as bonkers the whole thing's bonkers from start to finish just all of it is, a, is just the fact that the the musical got made and was a hit is baffling enough to me right to let alone inspire this movie which the movie also somehow improves on the story which is wild to think about that this this just this nightmare that sends your eyes to hell somehow <laughs> is the better version it's really it's really interesting huh so look yeah. out for my my thesis that I'll be writing because I have many thoughts. You become the world's foremost expert on cats. Mm-hmm. And then after I give my big lecture, I just look down at my hands and go, what did I do with my life? <laughs> just break my, into tears. My, I, 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 use the, I click off the last slide of my TED Talk and then I just cry <laughs> for like 20 minutes. And people don't know if it's part of it. They don't. Have you done much going to I'm, I'm drifting away from cats we should um you ever gone to a lot of other like stage shows like i mean actual like broadway or traveling broadway types of things yeah i've I, well, i've been i saw spam a lot on broadway oh how was that that's great I, yeah. i've seen that show twice i saw it once on broadway in high school and then uh there was a traveling one that their tour co came to like rochester oh really or maybe the twin cities or whatever but i, I saw it up there again a few years later um I mean, it's it's Monty Python's Holy Grail, but in musical right. form, and all the songs are written by Eric Idle. So it's no, that show's a delight. That'd be great, yeah. That show's fantastic, and that it. I hadn't seen Holy Grail in forever because I saw it when I was a kid, and I didn't really remember it. But because they used to show it on Comedy Central like all the time, <laughs> right? Yeah, I remember, and like that movie never really nothing ever stuck with me from it. But I always, sure. but I always liked Monty Python because I used to watch them on PBS when they'd show them late. Yeah, yeah. You know, it would go. It would go. Red Green Show, Red Dwarf, and then Monty Python's whole uh, and Flying Circus. And that so was a I'd, great Iowa Public Television lineup. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was really good. Uh, I think they do that on Sunday nights. I want to say. I think it maybe, sounds right. Maybe Saturdays. I want to say. I don't know. It seems to me that like some of that was on Saturday because I would like watch. I want to say like Red Green started before Saturday Night Live. Yes, so you're like, right. When I was right. at that age of watching, you know, staying home and just watching mm-hmm. TV, but staying up late, you know, and watch mm-hmm. like Red Green. And then yeah. I don't remember if Red Dwarf maybe was at the same time Saturday Night Live was, so I kind of go back and forth or something. Yeah. What I didn't realize, too, because that was before I knew, you know, British TV shows would only make like six episodes a season. Right. And so after now being older now, like Red Dwarf is all on Netflix and stuff. And then I like would look it up on Wikipedia. I didn't realize I've seen every episode of Red Dwarf. I didn't know it. I assumed there were a lot more that I missed. Well, and they, you know, there'd be a 
couple changes from season to season. Yeah. So you'd catch in the middle of it and just be like, oh, this must be 30 episodes later. Because they started doing where they weren't even on Red Dwarf anymore. They were always on the little green ship. Right. And they do that. So I'm like, I assume that's years later. And the, the, so the show has changed so much. No, they literally are just like, oh, we're now we're just doing the little ship for a little bit. <laughs> right. And we did six episodes. You saw all of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I didn't realize I've seen all of Red Dwarf. But uh, but no, so I hadn't I hadn't really remembered uh, Holy Grail. And then seeing Spamalot, I, I was just dying it just yeah. killed me and then i then i bought holy grail on dvd and ever since then now it's become like one of my favorite movies ever it's in like my top 10 favorite movies just because it's such it is great i had not watched it in a long time and then i suppose it was a year ago or somewhere that it showed it to the kids mm-hmm. and mick of course is just rolling and i mean that even like helps like oh yeah i remember how great that mm-hmm. is the first time like he's fighting the black knight and cutting his arms and legs yeah. off and he's still like yelling at him and stuff like that and the go with the coconuts for the horses and stuff yeah. like that like those are really funny bits and second thought let's not go to camelot Tis a silly place. <laughs> That's my favorite line in the whole movie. Yeah, they do the big musical great. number, and then they just decide not to go. Yeah, That's, yeah, never mind. But yeah, that's I've seen I've seen a couple other musicals. I want to say, and I was in some too in college and stuff like that. Right, but I'm trying to think, I've been to a couple of plays. I was just when I was in New York a couple of years ago, we went to uh, the play that goes wrong. My buddy Josh wanted to take me to it, and it was. Oh, I don't know what that is. I, it wasn't like super popular, but it was really. It was really funny because it's all about they're doing this like murder mystery play. Yeah. And then the play goes wrong. So they're pretending that they're pressing on the play, but the set literally starts falling apart. Oh, oh, so it's just, funny. it's kind of old slapsticky stuff, like, but it was hilarious. And I, cause, cause Josh took me cause he had taken his girlfriend and he's like, yeah, he's like, she didn't really love it. He's like, but I think it's cause she doesn't have any theater background. So she wouldn't, she's like, I want to go with someone who will appreciate it at the same level I do. Right. And so, and because he did theater tech stuff, and I was doing all theater all through college stuff like that. So then we went to it, and I was just like, "Yeah, that killed me. That's that's really funny." Because oh, they nice. have like they have a, a set that's like higher up, and at one point that floor like falls, and the <laughs> actor has to like hang on and catch like rolling furniture pieces. So really? it's actually pretty like pretty dangerous what they're doing too. But it's it was really funny. Oh, and I've seen Hamilton too, and Book of Mormon. I've seen stuff. Yeah, I've seen this things. I was gonna say yeah, like Hamilton was your biggest jam for a while. Well, still, I still love that album, and the show is great. I prefer it as an album, but why? It just I don't. It just plays really well. I think just because I'd listened to it for a year before I saw it, so I have a clear picture in my head. Oh, sure. Of what it is, and it also it just works super well as an album. Because there are people who are like, oh, I don't want to listen to it till I see it. I'm like, you can listen to it though, because there's no missing dialogue from it. Right. What's in the album is what's in the show. So you lose the visual, but also the the show itself is so stripped down. There's really no sets. There's only. It's one just kind of stripped down set. They have one staircase they move in like boxes and chairs and stuff that come in. But otherwise, it's you know pretty stripped down. It's funnier live than it is in the album. Okay. Because Landon said the same thing because he just saw it. And he's like, it's way funnier than I thought it was going to be. I'm like, yeah, for some reason, a lot of the lines play different live than on the album. But but I actually I truly love the album. So if you listen to the album, it's all is it all the talking dialogue as well? There's I'm, like no talking dialogue in the show. Oh, the whole thing is it's musical. pretty operatic. But it's like because it's there's some there is just some talking in some of the songs, but it's all rap and all singing and stuff. Right. Like that. There's one song missing, which is weird. It's it's a reprise of a different song, which deals with the death of a character, and they kind of just speed past it. They tell you later though, so you know what happened, but. but huh. That's the only thing missing from it. Otherwise, yeah, it's just 
it literally I was I was wondering the same thing too if there was going to be other talking in between songs and there really isn't so the way the album starts of just here's this song and then it starts the very next song starts that way so it is like you're just listening to the album oh that's cool but now there's people in front of you I do I've only seen I've not seen it live and I have not listened to the album so I've only seen clips of it on stuff when it was really big mm-hmm. you know seeing a video from the stage or whatever and it looks awesome. I mean, I like the stuff I've seen. It's really good, and I, you know, it gets people get. There were some people who got divisive about it because then people are like, "Oh, you know, it's lame hip hop. It's just hip hop for you know rich white moms or whatever." It's what I kept hearing people say, and it's like, yeah, if you're looking at it as like you're trying to think it's the greatest hip hop ever written, I'm like, I love it for story structure reasons, because the way they structure the story, because the whole time like they're the characters are telling you about what's happening, right. And they already know what's going to happen. So it's kind of interesting where this is kind of interesting too. It's almost in like a Groundhog's Day theme. But for <laughs> me, it's almost like because in the opening song, uh, Aaron Burr, like the song ends with, he says, I'm the damn fool that shot him. And he knows. And as it gets closer to that moment, he's still mad at Hamilton, stuff like that. But he starts showing more and more regret for what's going to happen. Oh, that's so it's cool. like all these characters have to relive these events from their lives knowing they can't change them right which is really interesting and then the way the the show uses like musical motifs of every character kind of has their own every character has their own way that their name is said yeah basically like almost musically and there's different phrases that get twisted like throughout i think it's just really great (laughs) (laughs) well good i really like it you heard it here first hamilton Hamilton, pretty good pretty good Cats better. No, um, <laughs> I don't say that. And then I've also seen Book of Mormon, and that was that's a that's just really funny. That's by the South Park guys. Oh, that yeah, that that show's actually funny too. I have not seen that either, but that show's actually really funny and uh, it's hilarious. And what the thing that was surprised me about it because they've been talking about it for a long time, and you know just how South Park is, and like they've done like an episode of South Park where they crap on Mormonism and stuff right. like that. But this show is actually weirdly the whole theme of it is more about like religious acceptance more like or like being being open-minded and being cool with everybody instead of like oh aren't these guys stupid instead it becomes more of just like it doesn't really matter just be good right it doesn't matter (laughs) it doesn't matter what the book is be good to people like that i was kind of surprised when it ended on that kind of that's cool hopeful like open message i was not expecting that from them (laughs) right but it's really funny and the songs are great and but well i think the stuff that they make is People miss it a lot of times, but it's satirical. Like that's the point of South mm-hmm. Park or whatever. Is like, yeah. look at how absurd our world is. Yeah, and when it's about, it's not about the thing they're talking about. But you know, that's that's what good satire is. Right. People, people don't catch that. It was kind of like, well, we've talked about this before too, of like why people would always get mixed up, like what the Colbert rapport was. And it's like, oh no, he's right. he's making fun of that. People yeah. are like, well, Colbert's a Republican. I'm like, he's not. <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah. He's not even making fun of just Republicanism, but he's making fun of Fox News. He's making fun of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it was so brilliant because then everybody liked it. Like the people who were like, oh, he's making fun of this, loved it. And the people were like, but he really means it, loved it also. Well, that was why when they brought him on to do the uh, the correspondence dinner, Bush had him on. <laughs> and then he tore him apart and they hated it. It's like, yeah, he's you guys didn't pay attention. He's not the character. <laughs> he's yeah, he's making fun of Bill O'Reilly. Like he's like <laughs> What about you? Have you seen any musicals live? I mean, you've been to a lot of concerts. Yeah, a lot of concerts, but as far as like stage shows, I saw Avenue Q on Broadway. Oh, that sounds great. That was a lot of fun. That's one I've never seen, but I've heard it's really fun. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with it as you're listening, it's it's 
puppets yeah with like living amongst regular people but it's you know like not appropriate you know what i mean it's, yeah, it's, it's like uh more pg-13 muppets and yeah. uh yeah it's, that was really great that was a lot of fun to see on broadway specifically <clears throat> and then i think my favorite like actual broadway style so i saw the touring version of kinky boots Oh yeah, you told me about that up in uh, the cities, up in Minneapolis or St. Paul, or it must have been in Minneapolis at the Orpheum, I think. And that was great. I mean, the traveling crew was just mm-hmm. fantastic, and the stage yeah. set up, and it was it was really fun. I really liked that. So it was probably my favorite stage show that I've seen. I would I'd like, like to see that show. I remember really liking the movie when I saw it. Right, because if you for those of you who don't know, Kinky, it's a true story that happened. Yeah, where it's it was this small town in England that they had a, a boot factory. Yeah. And they were starting to go under. Excuse me. They were starting to go under. And so how they found to make more money was to start making boots for drag queens. Yeah. Because they could still use all of the like all the men size stuff they had. Yeah. Because that's but they realized because it was one of them. I I don't at least how I remember it happened in the movie. I probably in the musical the same way. But it's like the son who inherited the factory like met a drag queen and they were like the biggest complaint was we can't find shoes that fit us yeah they couldn't get like the like flashy boots that they wanted. yeah so in in men's sizes and so yeah so they started making them and it's it's great too because one of those things that is ultimately about acceptance and people yeah because there's a guy who works in the factory who kind of represents the entire group who's like i don't know about these people and whatever played by nick frost in the movie right yeah yeah and, uh, you know, it comes to like an understanding and all this stuff and they save the boot factory and it's, yeah, yeah it's just great. And the musical numbers are great and yeah, it's just a lot of fun and it's just, it's flashy and colorful and all <laughs> those things. So that was really great. I don't know if it's in the musical, but the line in the movie that's, it's just funny and kind of charming, but they where the, the main drag queen, I forget her name, but, yeah. uh, where she's staying in, uh, in the town, like a little B and B thing. And then, like the lady who cleans up, she comes and she's like, "I'm doing this. There'll be this for breakfast. This for breakfast. This blah, blah blah." She goes, and then when I clean up in the bathroom, sorry to be sorry to pry, and this is personal, but do I leave the toilet seat up or down? <laughs> and then he just goes up. She goes, "Wonderful." And then like, leaves. <laughs> like it's just great little like she tacks it out at the end. Of, like <laughs> that's really funny. I don't, I don't remember that from the musical, but, but remember, that's pretty funny. I just remember that that line in the movie was was really funny, but. But yeah, as far as other stuff, I mean, like I've watched you in your like high school and college plays and things like that, mm-hmm. but I have not gone to a ton of plays. I'm trying to think. I went to I was trying to think. I went to one but I don't even remember what it was. I mean, I had went to like another like Broadway mm-hmm. style show, but I honestly don't even remember what it was, yeah. so it did not stick out. And I've been to a lot of like yeah, like s- small independent plays and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like one of my exes was an actress, so I saw a lot of her stuff and friends and doing stuff at Second City. And so, like, so I've seen a lot of live stuff because I don't really go to live shows for fun. Right. It's kind of a thing about me. I, I just because <laughs> people too always think I want to go. Like they're like, oh, there's a comedy club there. I'm like, great. I'm not gonna go. I'm not right. working. Like I'm not. Right. right. <laughs> like, but, Do you think that's because you? I mean, you are on stage as your job, so it's like, yeah. why would I want to do that? Well, yeah, cause for me, it's especially, it depends on, like, I'll go to, like, a great comic, like, if they're a hero of mine or whatever, I like right. going, because then it is just, like, especially now, too, I've been doing it long enough, I can be like, oh, I know how they're working. Sure. And, like, that's kind of fun to watch. It was like when I got to see, because we've seen Brian Regan a few times each. Yeah. 
And I remember the last time I saw him, he was in Waukegan. It was right after he filmed the live one he did for Comedy Central, that live special he did. Oh, yeah. So he, and this was like a couple weeks after. So, and it was the start of the tour. And it was, it was him going up there playing with new material. Yeah. And it was watching him in this, you know, 2000 seat theater and being like, oh, this is his open mic. Yeah. That's wild. And so that was actually really fun watching him work. He screwed up a joke even and like started it back over and, and was pretty and he was pretty open to that he's like I'm I'm working on new stuff and like, it was just but it was really great like watching someone like that at that level figure it out in front yeah. of that many people that was really cool because I've seen Regan we've seen him together but I've seen mm-hmm. him a handful of other times and I saw a show where it was that too where he was basically just said. This is new stuff I'm trying. We'll see if this lands, yeah. you know. And then if it didn't, he's just so good he can reel everybody back in. But yeah. it was cool to see. Yeah. And you know, and I don't know. I I it's less it's more so now, like I like seeing comedy more now live. But for a while, I really but that was also in the phrase I think when I wasn't enjoying doing comedy as much as I was. I really right. well, I would never go to comedy because I'd be like, nah, because usually it's like I want a night off from comedy. Right. So especially if I'm not because then a lot of times too I'll go to them and be like, Well, I just want to be up there. I don't you know, yeah. in the back, which then, you know, realize too, then down the road, like, oh, I haven't been great about supporting friends and like going to their shows that I'm sure. not on. So it's like a thing I've been trying to be better about yeah. in recent years. And then now I don't live in Chicago anymore. So it's pretty hard to go <laughs> to go to a lot of shows to go support my friends in their <laughs> in North Central Iowa <laughs> in their shows. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I think there is something too of wanting a break from the stuff you normally do. Cause I mean, I mean, like, I tell people, I, I love my job as much or more than anyone else that I know, but like, I'll get, you know, somebody will text me some question about school or something on like a Saturday night. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, we're not at school right now. Yeah. You know, like, and I love it. Or like football, when it's fall, I coach my son's flag football team. I coach junior high football and I coach high school football and I'm watching game film to game plan and scout other teams and all this stuff. So then people a lot of times be like, Oh, did you see this game? I'm like, no, nah, man. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So that's honestly, that's kind of like the same thing yeah. on like the same lines. I'm the same way where I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to think about jokes. Well, yeah, it's like I've right watched now. so many hours of football this week. You know what I want to watch? A scripted comedy. That's what I want to watch right now <laughs> because it is not that thing. Just yeah. a, a break is important. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I don't know. And I'll, I mean, I like going to movies and stuff like that. And I, I, I wish I'd gone to more theater, especially living in Chicago. There was so much stuff around there. But also part of yeah. it too is just like, well, it's Chicago, so everything costs eighty dollars, right, to, to go to. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I like. Um, when I have the chance to go to a stage show, I like to like, if I'm going to do like a weekend trip, I like to do like some sort of outdoorsy, like whatever activity Mm -hmm. that's kind of more my, like what I always like to do. Yeah. And then like, then like go downtown and be fancy, you know, put on, put on nice clothes and go to a show. You want to do some, you want to do some art. You want to do some jock. You're a one man breakfast club. Yeah. yeah, That's that's, that's right. I want to do it all. That's what you want to do. I want to rub my dandruff onto a piece of paper. (laughs) And be asked to leave the restaurant. <laughs> yep. Excuse me, sir. That's gross. <laughs> that's especially when I get up on the bar and start doing the dancing, pumping my fists back and forth, and nobody will join me and walk in sync. So then I have to go all Judd Nelson and walk out and pump my fist in the air. And freeze frame, and now you're just standing in front of the restaurant. <laughs> I just turn back and I whisper. 
don't you forget about me. <laughs> then I leave. Which, it's an ominous ending. When you say it that way, it sounds like a threat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I'm not asking. I'm telling you not to forget about me. <laughs> you will need to report this face. <laughs> if you forget about me, I'll find you. <laughs> That's a dark rendition of that, yep, that yep, song. Yep. I like that. That's the uh, alternate. Yeah, you're, you're full of the happy notes tonight. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to let the darkness out somehow, I guess. Uh, what else? What else should we talk about? We got time. I don't know. We Well, we talked a little bit about you doing stage stuff and comedy things. And... Um, we actually got a... Yeah, it was a message from our friend uh, uh, Josh Steinberg. Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. Luke, give one of your patented shout-outs. Uh, this is a shout-out <laughs> to Josh Steinberg. Shout-out to... Good good dude. We've known him for a long time. Known him for a long time, yeah. But uh, yeah, he had, he had just messaged me just to say that he, he liked the show a lot, which is just nice to hear. And more praise than it probably deserves. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah, but, you know, we have our 12 loyal listeners, and he's one of them. Now we know. I'm trying to figure them all out. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. Yeah, but he said, if you ever need a topic, which, by the way, you can send us topics if you want. You Probably, since you're someone who knows us, you can just tell us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, li- we know who you are. <laughs> yeah, just stop us at work or <laughs> see you at home, you know. Uh, <laughs> but then, um, but you can also email us. We have an email. It's nielsenbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also have that. I had to think about it because I haven't logged into it in a while. <laughs> we haven't done one of these in a second. But yeah, he just wanted to know. Uh, he said, I've always wanted to hear the details about how you got into stand-up and kind of what that looks like on the inside of it quote unquote but so yeah you you egg me on you well the we've kind of touched on a little bit like what started your interest with comedy and stuff but that was something for me i think i've only done it one time and it was at just some show in a high school like auditorium thing in minnesota but i got to sit back behind in the green room with you and that for me was really interesting where I sort of have this peripheral knowledge of the comedy scene. I I don't have a full understanding of it. I don't do it, nor would I want to. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting to watch you go through the steps of it and be on stage Mm -hmm. and all those things, and then that was a fun experience for me to be back in the little green room area as everybody's just kind of getting ready, and you can kind of see everybody's routines and what they're doing. So that was interesting to me. So maybe... Just talk a little bit about that. Like, what is the? Because a lot of people are not interested in talking in front of people at all. No, most people hate it. Yeah, most people would uh, would rather die than speak in public. That's the, <laughs> yeah. When they do surveys, the fear of public speaking is number one. Fear of death is two. So people would yeah. rather die than <laughs> than do what I do. <laughs> well, so. What is your process for going up on there? Or what's the feeling, maybe? I mean, I think that's something not a lot of people probably experience that, where now you're up on stage, all eyes are on you, and if things are going well, people are laughing, and you really have Mm -hmm. control over over a room, and if things aren't going well, then you're on an island out there. Yeah, yeah, and that's fun. Well, (laughs) And I'll start with just on the island. When you're on the island, if things are going bad, 
my mind will go two ways. One, I can start figuring out how I can fix it. Like, oh, they like to joke like that. I'll do more like this or whatever. Bring them back. If it's just so bad, then you'll kind of just go into screw it mode. If it's just like, oh, nothing I do. They just don't like me. And maybe I'm just not on tonight, whatever. So then I'll start just trying to entertain myself. Right. And I'll ramble more. I'll maybe try some jokes that are, you know, I'll just start telling a story. I'm like, this story has no end, but you guys don't care. (laughs) Right. At this point, I'm just practicing in front of the mirror, you know? So then I'll just start telling a story and I'll see where it goes. Usually not anywhere of interest, but it's just like, well, I told that one on stage. I got, (laughs) I got practice saying the words. Right. Um, but yeah, so you have to get to this kind of like zen place where you just have to, especially when you're doing like a long set, like a 30-minute set, which that's, it'll happen in those shows sometimes because I'll do these random shows in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, like people aren't there to see me. I'm right. just I'm just the comic booked at that place that weekend, you know. And it's like, well, I have no friends here who are going to, you know, still try <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> rally to support, make, you know. They'll be like, oh, no, this guy sucks. We don't like him, you yeah. know. And so then you just have to be, you know, sometimes I'll call it out be like, well, all right, well, we're not friends, so that's fine. I'll just <laughs> go about know. my business. But I just, I never turn on him fully because a lot of people will do that and then it just makes a real bad vibe in the room. So instead I'm just like, all right, I'm like, whatever. I'll just play up here by myself and just say what's entertaining to me. I'll say I'll I'll start doing jokes that are only funny to me, and I know they're only funny to me. Right. But I'm like, whatever. I never get to tell these. And since you guys don't like the ones that are supposed to be funny to everyone, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'll tell just the ones that are just funny to me. Um, Have you found over time that your perspective on bombing has changed or even if you're not bombing like the whole set but like yeah i get i just get i'm much calmer now i'm just much less desperate like because i used to be especially early on i used to just be made more just heightened on stage shows just way more aggressive and fast talky and you know yeah yeah. i get sweatier at shows (laughs) than i do now um yes now i i i can tell a lot sooner when I'm not going to be able to turn it around. I still try, but it's like early. I can spot the moments a lot sooner of like, oh, no. Sure. This just isn't going to be a good one. This one's not going to be great. I'll, you know, and I don't give up on it. It's still like, okay, I I, I try other stuff. I'll, it's, it's a weird thing to have to tell yourself. It's like, okay, how do I get more invested? That's the biggest thing I've learned is that I have to, it's not about trying to beg them to be interested. I have to get more invested in my stories. So what I've started doing this is where too, like where the the calmness has really helped in in stand up and in bombing is that I I'll actually take my time more with stories instead of because I used to just then start sprinting and just really right. start I'm just not gonna stop talking because if I don't stop talking I won't hear you not laughing you know yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like now I'll actually I'll really indulge in every step of the story because then that will they'll make it sound like I'm telling it for the first time. And I might even right. I might even get hung up on details that I usually go by quicker. Cause like if yeah. if, if if a story's really killing and just they're just they're laughing at every punch, then I will I'll skip some steps because I'm just like, I know where the next hit is, and I just want to keep that rhythm going because they're so in rhythm with me. Yeah, yeah. So I won't I won't have little trail-offs or little thoughtful moments, but I I've been playing more with silences now anyway, but that's been i'll just you can do that you can just kind of stick with the rhythm like they're just with me they're laughing at every sentence i can just keep going this i can skip this moment this is a little breakdown i don't need it you know um but when it when they're not interested i'll just really i'll belabor the story a little bit almost right. and it and i think it just makes it sound like it it makes it more urgent and more in the moment 
And I think no matter what, that will get people noticing, even if they don't like you, they'll right. get more noticed, you know? So that's something I have to like just remember like, okay, get get more invested. I even have a note in my book now that just says, if you're not invested, they won't be. Well, I think that's perfect. I, I think that's an important thought for anything anyone does. Yeah. Engage yourself more. Don't don't just yell, be more engaged with me. Right. Well, like uh, something like I've written it down, like a visualization for myself is um, I, I call it bend toward the light. Like it's like, yeah, I have all these plants in the window, yeah, like a potato in a shoebox. Well, then. it is like, yeah, like, you know, if you try to force it, it's going to spring right back to where it is. Same thing with people. If I'm teaching or coaching yeah. or whatever, if like I'm trying to force them, you're going to meet resistance. But if I'm super engaged and I'm super into what I'm doing, people tend to gravitate towards that yeah. with, with anything. People like like it when people are enthusiastic and into what mm-hmm. they're doing and you can tell yeah. when somebody really loves doing something. So yeah. I think that's awesome. Cause I used to, I used to check out a little bit more and I would just kind of, I'd run the material, I'd run the set. Right. Um, and at that time, that's kind of, that was kind of my coping mechanism for a bomb, right. you know, yeah. which, and I think it's a lot of people now I've been doing it long enough and you know, it just, they, b- the bombs don't bother me. Cause it was like, Especially to last year when I had some of the greatest sites that I've ever had in my life and some of the best opportunities I'd had. Um, and then also had one of the worst bombs I'd ever had in my life, in my whole career <laughs> yeah. last year, where I was so quiet, a guy told me, you suck while I was on stage. <laughs> yeah. And, and and it had the op- If that had happened a couple years earlier, I think it would have devastated me a lot more, and I would have kind of been like, oh, no, am I funny? Should I even be doing this? Instead, I walked away from that and being like, okay, I don't want that to happen again. Right. What can I do? And the big thing I realized is after he said that, I got more in that set. I then started trying more and I got <laughs> yeah. more engaged and actually won them. I didn't win them over totally, <laughs> but I got some good laughs on my last couple jokes. And I was like, oh, it's because I decided to try. Well, I got to remember to do that before I walk up on stage. Yeah. I need to make sure I'm trying because it's easy sometimes where you're sitting in a show and you're like, not a lot of people in here. The comics before me aren't doing great. Okay. And you start, you already start mentally having it prepared as like, this one's not going to be good. Right. Which, well, if you go with that attitude, it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I almost have to convince myself to be like, nope, I'm like, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do great. And whatever that means, not necessarily I'm going to kill, I'm going to crush. I'm like, I'm going to go have a good set. I'm going to go have a good time. You know, so that's, that's been more my thing now is like telling myself like, getting myself psyched to like, go have fun up there. It's, if you're not having fun, what's the point of this? Yeah. You know, that's great. And did you find, especially early on, like you talked about your, your delivery has even changed a bit. Mm -hmm. What did you find was sort of like the timeline or like how often you're having to do stuff before you really start figuring out like, this is my voice. This is what I want to say. This is how I want to deliver it. Well, for me too, I because they always say like you don't really find your voice as a comedian until like eight to ten years in, where you really know your voice, right? Um, and I think back when I was when I first started, I was just more aggressive because I was just excited and I just wanted like to, a puppy dog out yeah, there, yeah. And I just I wanted to just steamroll rooms, you know, mm-hmm. which you know, and and that worked for a while. It's not super sustainable because if they don't like that in the first five minutes of a thirty minute set. There, it's just <laughs> buckle up. It's just gonna make them more tired. You know? Yeah. Um. I think I've also just, just outside of comedy, I've just become a less manic person. That's in that fair. way, yeah. I've, I've become less argumentative. I've become 
I, I don't get hung up on stuff as much. I still have anxiety and things I have to deal with, but it's more it's more internal at me instead of outward at the world. <laughs> right. I was talking to you before yeah. before the show because you said, <laughs> "What'd you say about my driver's license?" You said, oh, it looks like a guy who's the police are looking for. Yeah, yeah. It looks like something like a mugshot, yeah. or a, like the photo they show on the news when someone did something bad. Yeah, and it's like I I just I used to have, I just remember I just used to have just a a higher baseline of just being angry right had nothing in particular you know just yeah. it was just i just had this pent-up anger in me and this this i don't know just this i don't know i don't want to say darkness but like i don't know it's just like but you know <laughs> who's being dark now yeah i know right <laughs> well you asked the question oh, uh, <laughs> you, so in a way you still brought it up <laughs> it's been my plan all along yeah. <laughs> i was priming you earlier <laughs> That's that's some real supervillain stuff right there. <laughs> that's right. Um, but uh, um, so I think that's part of it is I just start calming down. But I, I don't know. It was a couple because usually I found like now every two years I pretty much need to throw away a lot of my stories. You know. Yeah. Um, but it was when I finally realized I started wanting to write different types of jokes, and I started. It was after doing some sketch work too, and some I did some more improv and more sketch stuff, and how silly I would be in those situations. And I kind of was like, I wish I was sillier in stand up, sure, than I am because I'm such a straightforward storyteller. I'm like, I kind of wish some of that came out more in my stand up. So I started playing with that. Well, then some of it was realizing like, oh well, I I need to kind of be different on stage to have it this way. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to tell other types of stories, and I just realized this this more like. Ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you like me energy was no longer right for most of my stuff so it was kind of this acceptance of I was kind of certain at, uh, earlier that I was like oh no but I know my voice I've already got my voice figured out right right and then a couple years later being like oh no no they're right I don't I don't know my voice you yeah because it was like early last year I was writing stuff because now what I kind of do when I find myself having like a little writer's block I'll then I'll try making myself try to do a different type of writing. So it's like, oh, mm. I don't really have any great stories right now. Okay, what? Let's write some just weird one-liners. Yeah, <laughs> that I'll probably yeah, yeah. never tell. They're not good. Yeah, but they're absurd. They make me giggle, and whatever. And I started playing with that stuff. And it's like, okay, well, how do you work that in with stories and stuff too? Well, you have to be able to have a totally different personality on stage. You can't. You can't really barrel roll people with one-liners. It's exhausting. You know, you can't, you know. <laughs> Rapid-fire one-liners, yeah. You know, so, um, so I don't know. It was just, I think it was just a general acceptance in comedy and in life that I didn't have it all figured out, and I used to think I had it all figured out. <laughs> yeah. I was so certain about everything in life. I was right about what I felt was right for everybody right. and all that stuff. And same with comedy. It's like, I know how to do this. I know it's the right way to do comedy. And it was just like then realizing like oh no I'm I'm learning just like all of us are <laughs> right I've screwed up a lot of ways you know it's oh life yeah I definitely don't have it all figured <laughs> out I definitely don't have all the answers yeah <laughs> this is like the blessing and curse of youth just in general like yeah yeah I got this mm-hmm. like just the unabashed confidence in everything because that'll get you through a lot of stuff (laughs) that is true yeah where you're just like yeah i'm bulletproof everything's gonna be fine but the problem is it's always followed by a day where you eventually go everything's not gonna be fine (laughs) (laughs) turns out i didn't have it all figured out Oh no you know uh so that was that was part of it was just kind of accepting just like oh i don't have it all figured out and that's 
okay and admitting that is better i don't know i think it also fell in line with you know started doing therapy and just calming down as a person right <laughs> you know? right like, i think that's an important thing too which you know i try to be very zen about things and just the idea of like there is no good and bad there's just things mm-hmm. and we can label them as we so choose yeah. so it's just and then you if you do that then you put you put it on yourself to choose what something is, then it is something like if it's bombing or not doing well at something, instead of framing it as a bad experience, then it can become, oh, this is great. This was good practice. Yeah. Like I had to I had to cross this off the list. So mm-hmm. I had to fail at this thing and it's just experience for the next time. And yeah. then it doesn't become a problem. Yeah, because now too, because I, I had moments where it would be like, oh, I'd have a couple of bad sets in a row and it's just because I wasn't in a good place. I wasn't performing well. I just, I wasn't doing what I needed to, you know? Right. And this was a couple of years ago, but at that time I would always feel and be like, oh man, maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I've lost it. You know, maybe I'm just not funny anymore. And you know, and, yeah. I, and especially that falls in line too with having friends who started doing way better than me, getting great opportunities and then being like, oh, you know, it's just over for me. I'm just getting left in the dust. Bleh. You know, it was just yeah. bitterness. Now more, if I have a bad set, it's, it's always a learning experience because I usually walk off being like, okay, I know what didn't hit there. I know what mm. didn't work what I want, you know, and I'll do a little more postmortem with people too, like friends, comics in the room. They'll be like, I'm like, okay, what do you think about that one? This one felt like it hit weird. What do you think was wrong with that? You know, or right. You know, of just kind of, I'm just being more observational about what I'm doing instead of indulging in the feelings, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, have you found, it seems to me just from an outside observer's perspective that Amongst a lot of comedians, there's sort of this fear that they're going to lose the ability to be funny. Yes. That like if they're, say, depressed or struggling with something, but that comes out comedically when they're on stage that they don't want to maybe solve that problem because what if I'm not mm-hmm. funny anymore? Or yeah. Well, yeah, we're all, all of us, we are all certain it is going to stop at any moment. <laughs> you just lose One the ability day, to be funny. We will not be funny anymore. No one will want to hear us anymore. No one will like us anymore. It's just, it's just that's that's how we constantly feel. I have friends who are doing incredibly well and doing astonishing things. I'm so proud of them. And they'll be like, like, I don't know, man. I think I suck. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> so, like, you're, so, you're so good at it. Like, right, calm down. Right. You know, so yeah, we feel that way. And, and that was, I think, we maybe talked about it on this. I can't remember. But, uh, oh yeah, it must have come up. Because it it's in that Gary Goldman documentary too. Where yeah. And I like that they put it in there. Uh, well, it's a stand-up special, but it's part documentary. But him and uh, Bob Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Bob Kelly and, and Gary Goldman are talking. And they say like, oh, we we never went to therapy. Because we're like, oh no, I'm, I'm depressed. That's what makes me funny. If I change something, right? you know, then I'm not going to be funny anymore. And it's like, no, like I'm, I'm way funnier now that I'm not depressed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's usually a good thing. Yeah. And you can be far more productive. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, no, if you're you're funny. You're funny. And you if you're feeling better, you'll have more fun doing it, which just makes you funny. And we all convince ourselves that. Like I used yeah. to do that too. I used to have that same thought in my head like, no, no, this is my therapy. Well, it's not. Therapy is actually getting it out. Stand up is letting out just enough to seem relatable. Right. So it's it's artificial. There's already, you know, there's an artifice to even if you are talking about serious dark things or whatever, there's already an artifice to it. There's already a, it's not you, it's stand up you. Right. And no matter, and some comics will be like, no, no, I'm pretty much me on stage. We all change a little bit. Sure. We're all slightly different. And that's why when people off stage, cause I'm fairly similar to how I am on stage, yeah. you know? Uh, but people, you know, when people are just out in the world, they'd be like, well, tell me a joke. And I'm always, I always just say, I'm like, that's not how it works. 
Right. If I tell you my joke now, I can't just tell you it in conversation because they're not meant to be given in conversation. They're meant to be performed yeah. to a room full of people. It's different. It's kind. Of, it's like acting for stage and acting for film. They're two different things. Right. One, you're performing to the camera that's inches away from your face. The other one, you are trying to fill a theater and make sure all of these people understand what you're trying to convey. It's two totally different things, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think you can still be yourself, but you're maybe highlighting specific aspects of your personality. Yes. It's in a half hour telling jokes, you're not going to reflect every little thing about you. Or no. if you're hanging out with somebody, you get to see more nuanced stuff. Yeah. yeah. But you and you can tell and I just I like being funny in the moment when I'm with people too. Like on stage, right. I want to do my set. I also like playing in the moment. If someone says something, I'll eat that up for a while. Right. Um, I'm always happy when someone's saying something real weird in the audience. I'm like, great, you just gave me five minutes. I don't have to work. Come here. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is not advertising for people no. to start showing up to Logan shows no. armed with weird stuff no. to say. But no, but I but I always tell people too that some people are like oh man I'll just start heckling you I'll go fine I'm like you won't win <laughs> I'll tell you that now <laughs> right. you will not win um, but uh, uh, what was my original point that I was saying I don't remember what I was talking about what did you just ask me I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually the guy who has to be reminded of what we were talking about. I know. What was I just saying before that moment? Before people, oh, uh, you were saying in the moment versus that. Like, uh, yeah. So when I'm not on stage too, I still like being funny. Getting laughs from people is my baseline. Like that's what mm. makes me happy. That's what that's it's my favorite noise in the world right. is human laughter, and that's why I laugh all the time. I don't get. Like, there are comedians who just never want to laugh at stuff. I'm an easy laugh. I tell people that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm an easy laugh and I'm a loud laugh because I just, I like comedy. I like silliness. I like comedy. You know, I just, I just like to laugh. And I think laughter is great. So when I'm in, when I'm just with people too, I want to make them laugh. But I like just playing in the moment and just, you know, riffing on something or, you know, ranting about something or whatever. It's more fun when it's not refined. On stage, I like doing it because it's like, when I'm on stage, there's much more control. Right. And I have a little bit of control freaky in me. And so it's like, yes, I want to control the room the way I want the room to be. Mm. I want my set the way it's going to go. Well, when I'm in conversation with people, I don't want that. I want to get interrupted. I want drop your observation and drop, you know, I, right. I, I'm not trying to hold court, but I will, you know, I'll, I'll run with something if you give it to me. And that's more fun to me. Well, and I imagine you have to have a little bit of that control when you are doing stand-up on a stage because it is just you and you have whatever your allotted time you know mm -hmm. if you're a feature you got a half hour yeah i mean that's it and that's your entire thing where as an art form it's an interesting thing because it's like there is that interaction with the audience yeah. as to how much they're eating it up whatever where it's not like if you write something, you can sit and go back over and edit, or if you draw something, right. or things like that, where it is an interesting art form. Even, even more so than like music, same thing. You get the audience interaction, but it's sort of like, you know, the songs can be a little different when they're live, but they're still the songs. Where comedy, right. there's sort of an expectation that's going to be a little different every time that you see it. That's the thing. I'm amazed at how many people still like even now. There's comedy is stand-up comedy especially the process of stand-up comedy is much more in general zeitgeist stuff than it ever has been because now you have shows about stand-up sure. people still don't really realize how much we work on the material yeah <laughs> a, a lot of people truly yeah. do think we go up there and we just ramble 
And it's yeah. like, no, I'm like, that's, I'm like, I've been doing this joke for a year. Like, this, right. And I finally, oh, this, that's a new line I just added to this joke. Like, there, there is this creative process to it. It's, it's different. And, but like, you don't have, you don't go to a play and you're just like, man, these people just kind of riffed this awesome story. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you, yo, you know, you it's a know script. It's you know, they rehearsed yeah. it. You know, and it's like, stand up's the same thing. And that's, and that's where I mean, too, it's like you are expected to be a bit of yourself because unless you're doing something super alt and strange, you know, or whatever. And that's right. fine. You, you can find that. There are some people who do that. It works less often than not. Or, or, yeah. Works less often than it does is how you'd phrase that. Uh, <laughs> this is why the material needs to be rehearsed. <laughs> that's right. This is the rehearsal run. Yeah. Then we're we, going to start over. Yeah. Case in point, we do not rehearse this show. We don't even plan about what we're going to talk about when we turn the mics on. But I think we should do one because then you won't say a lot of cool. It'll be, you know, we can really we can really refine this one. I'm going to come up with some new phrases if I have time to think about it. <laughs> Man, this one's a bunch of awesome. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, at, at the end of the day, even though you are being yourself, it is you performing as you. It's what you think is funny. It is still a performance, right? And that's just kind of how I always see it. Is like I'm I'm a performer. I that's what you know. And I do think stand up comedy is an art form, but I never try to ever think of myself as an artist. Sure, because it's just one of the things. Like once I put that on myself, I'll, I think I'll get a little too lofty. <laughs> sure, well, it's it like seems, nah, it's a little, like, seems a little pretentious. Yeah, maybe. It's like no, nah, I'm 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 jokey. I'm a silly boy. <laughs> That you paid to see money while you get drunk. Like, you paid money to see me goof around, <laughs> tell my chuckles while you, you know. I was like, tell my chuckles. You know, so tell chuckles is a lot cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's it's still a performance. So even if you, and I and I know comics who are, you know, they really do. They're certain, like, I'm just, this is me, this is why I'm on stage shoot. It's like, you're not, though. There's There'll be something slightly different because you won't talk the same way on stage. No matter what, you'll have a different cadence because you're telling a story You've told a hundred times. Yeah. You have that in your regular life. And anyone listening, you know a story that you've told a bunch of times. You already know the hits. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. I do that in class all exactly. the time. And you know you know now you have the, the Cliff Notes version of yeah. this story that you tell. Especially friends who they're like, oh man, tell that story again. Yeah, yeah. Think about when the first time you told it and how you tell it now. You've edited it oh, down. You, for sure. You perform it differently. You have a different read for it. Sometimes... A lot of people just the story will get twisted, and it's not even the original yeah, story yeah, anymore. Not exactly what happened. Yeah, that's that's literally what the process of stand up is. Just you have to do it in front of rooms of people and be like, "This may bomb," and I'm not at a party where I can just walk away. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Once I'm done telling this potentially bad, you had to be there story. Yeah. Everyone will still be looking at me. Well, and that, maybe that's what I mean about comedy, where it's like, like if you're in a band, it's not the same experience is playing in front of a live audience, but you can work on the song together and get your vibe together, like mm-hmm. as a band, or like if you're writing something, things like that. And it helps if you have somebody read it and see, you know, their thoughts. But comedy, like every time has to be live rounds. Well, yeah, it's, it, to use the band analogy, it would be like if the first time you're practicing a song as a band was in front of people. Right. Not, yeah, like like we wrote this, but we haven't played it yet. Yeah. Here we go. We have none of us have all tried it together yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's kind of, like that's kind of what it is. Like we have the song, but we mm, we'll see. Yeah. So, so now when it does go really well, mm-hmm. when you've got a set and like the room's great, you're just yeah. killing, what does that feel like? <sighs> I don't even know how to describe it. There's nothing like it. You yeah. feel you feel invincible. That's like that's my feeling 
when when it's just going where like literally every sentence is is it because i'm i'm i too i like really like to plan my set out i'm very much a a laugh per minute person like i really want i yeah. want less valleys you know i like to unless unless it's this is this joke is funny if i give a more you know strung out less funny opener and then have a hit you know sure but i'm very much that pacing in where the where the peaks are where the hits are so when you can get it where you have an audience who's on board i don't yeah um the feeling I always have is I'm just like I'm bulletproof right now. I'm yeah. just I'm I'm invincible right now. Everything I say is a hit, even when it's like when they when you have an audience who's really rolling where you don't even really have to say a joke. You can just say words. Right. And you're killing them. And it's like it's, you don't necessarily even necessarily feel like you're super funny. That's where I just feel like I am where I'm a great performer. It's not even necessarily that the material is so funny. I'm like, they are just so with me right now. Yeah, yeah. They are coming with me. And then especially when those weird jokes get hits. <laughs> yeah. Like some of those weird throwaways I have when they'll, they'll get laughs. Because sometimes I have jokes that I know they don't get hits in most rooms. Right. They're, they're a little throwaway. We've talked about these because you tend to like them because you get me. Oh, I, yeah. I, they're my favorite. But I throw them away. And I know if I do one of those throwaways and an audience likes it, I'm like, oh, this audience gets me. Yeah. And so now I'll get, I'll get weirder with the material. And when I say weirder, I don't mean like creepier or grosser or anything. I just mean like it's it, there's an extra step of it's not it's not smart, but there's there's an extra <laughs> an extra level of figuring out like what is he saying? <laughs> like well, sometimes even it's like a, a reference or something. Like I think of well, this is a joke you had told for some time like a while ago is about like the dark knight rises you had like a little reference in there oh yeah yeah and it's a real fast joke that hits a lot and you throw in a lot of references and you know there'd be like i love the joke and i've heard it a bunch of times and it still makes me laugh yeah but you could that one to me always like when i was with an audience and it would still be it'd be a show you'd be doing well but like if not everybody really laughed really hard at that i'd be like oh you didn't you didn't you missed the thing yeah. like that's really funny i think it's just cuz dude the way it's phrased too um because it's and i want to give credit that's that one was a, a a punch up from my buddy Josh Johnson too he helped me write that one so i mm. want to give him credit for that one uh but it, yeah cuz the joke is about is with my ex and it was like oh she's really nice to me and that that makes it hard to be a comedian cuz i'm funnier when i hate myself again calling back to <laughs> the sad state of my mental state at that time. Right. I'm playing myself, and I said, she'd be like, oh, you're really great. And I'm like, honey, I'm trying to Dark Knight Rise, but you keep throwing the rope down the well. Yeah. And so it's like, I think too, it's because I'm not even just saying the Dark Knight Rises, I'm phrasing it as an action instead yeah. of the actual. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I've turned it into a verb yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like, I, I always really liked that joke. And that one got quoted in uh, the uh, the Chicago Tribune. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> for a show they came to. But um, yeah, so... It jokes like that where it's like I I'll, a lot of times I'll know like this one's not they're not gonna catch this one. Right. Well, weird throwaway in one of the story I have about uh, driving in, with the the guinea pig story I have yeah, yeah, yeah. about driving. I say I was driving in Chicago with my ex wife. She wasn't my ex wife at the time. That'd be super weird. Yeah, it's some people won't catch that, but it's like it's literally it's just breaking down that thought one extra sentence. It's oh. unneeded. It's an yeah. unneeded sentence, but right. it's it's stuff like that won't always get hits. They're funny to me. I like telling them. To me, there's more flavor to me. Right. Well, I think little things like that are, when you do catch them, make such a nice sort of visual. Like, it's just one other step. Like, oh, yeah, that would be weird if they were divorced at the time. And Yeah. And I just, I really like, one of my favorite things, I like breaking down how we phrase things as people. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, especially the English language, where 
sometimes rules don't matter. I know they I know they do in how they're written, but when we talk like colloquially, like we'll say a yeah. sentence and it's like that sentence could mean three different things, kind of. Right. You know? Yeah. Like I don't know. Cat suit, you know, <laughs> I don't know, but that's a bad example. But like, what does that mean? No, but that's a bad example. But like, you can have stuff like that where it's phrased in a way where it's like, does it mean you have that on or you're in it or what the, the someone else is with you? You know what I mean? Right. Those, those types of sentences, I wish I had one ready to go. This would be a dynamite moment for an example. <laughs> you can look some up at home because I'm you get the them. idea, but you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of thing, uh, you know, and, and just how we have so many words that sound the same. So it's like if you hear them. Like, oh, well, if you then make the audience go, but now imagine that word spelled differently. It's spelled the other way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the audience will go, oh, yeah, yeah. We didn't think about that because you didn't, especially in comedy. And that's been something in recent years I've been trying to do more, too, is I've been playing just allowing time to happen. That's where the that's where the with the bombs where I start taking my time more. And then also I've been playing with silences a lot more because I used to I never wanted ever there to be silence. But now it's like I'll start a story you know, I'll give like an opening thought. And I'll just let it sit more and almost create that anticipation. Because I realized when I was always so heightened and so, ah, here I am, I was never creating tension. I was tense. Right. But there was no tension to my stories, really. Sure. Because I was just barreling through them. Yeah, yeah. And just making you hear this story. Isn't it funny? Laugh! You know? (laughs) Right. But now it turned into like kind of... And to me, it makes me feel like I'm telling it for the first time again. Because I'm making myself indulge in the little moments sure that's cool yeah i don't know i think do we do we answer the initial question probably that's maybe a start of the the inside look but yeah i think so well that touched on some yeah nice things about because i think that's it is an interesting profession and comedy has it's gotten so much i don't know if you want like recognition so much of a light shined on it in recent years because there's so many streaming things mm-hmm. and there's shows about the comedic process podcasts are mostly about like the process right. of writing comedy and yeah so i think people have a curiosity about it and they think they peripherally understand things about it but it's a it's an interesting thing having just watched you go through the process and see little bits of it mm-hmm. myself it's like wow it's kind of i mean it can be like anything else, it's hard work and it's repetition and it's all those things that doesn't always people don't see that because they see you yeah. on the stage while you're presenting the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's an interesting thing about. And the weird thing is how much you'll surprise yourself because a lot of times I'll have a joke that I've written. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll get nothing. And then I'll have a joke where I'm like, this was a throwaway one I wrote because I needed more to say at the mic tonight. And then right. that will get a huge hit, and you know, and then that will become a joke I still tell or something. You know, that'll right. that will then grow. So sometimes in the moment you'll be like, "Ooh, okay, there's something to that one that I didn't see right away." So you won't even you don't even see how brilliant you are till later. No, but you won't. <laughs> you know, some because that's I, I think that's what's so magic about comedy too is because I don't know. It's so as much as we don't like you had to be there stories with comedy. A lot of times you had to be there at least in the moment for the joke, right. and sometimes. As the comedian, you have to be there telling the joke before you actually see how funny it can be. Right. If that makes sense and is not too lofty. but I- <laughs> Well, no, I think that hits on a couple of things. I mean, I think one, sometimes creatively, like any creative process, like I've done that too, where it's like if I'm writing something, I'm posting something that I've written. You know, mm-hmm. There have been, maybe more often than not, like I'll finish something and be like, well... 
it's not exactly what I wanted it to be, or I don't think it's that good, but just kind of get in the habit of throwing it out there. And then yeah. sometimes those would be the things that somebody will get back to me like, oh man, that was really great. And it's like, really? I didn't think that was very yeah. good. Well, there was a few years ago when I did the thing where I made videos every day for the month of May. Yeah, I made little really sketches. Funny. I had some that I had like planned out and I worked really hard on and I really liked and were really funny to me. And I put them out there and they'd you know get some likes. People would kind of think they're funny. And there's ones I would just make up that day where I'd be like, I don't know, what should this sketch be about? I don't know, potato chips, I guess. And just I would riff a sketch basically and just make it quick. And then people would be like, that one's fantastic. And like, so some of the ones people bring up to me still from that thing are ones that I just pulled out of my butt that day right, right. and made just to get it done with because I was doing the everyday thing and then getting out of there. And yeah. it's like, it's that's the thing. I don't know. Comedy, it's, I don't know. I, I could just gush about it, but I just, I, I love comedy so much. I, my favorite thing to do is when something makes me laugh is I always think, why is it funny to me? <laughs> yeah. That's a big thing for me. And when I can't answer that question, those are the things that tickle me endlessly. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm like, why is this funny to me? And I go, I, and it's me saying, I don't know why it's funny to me. <laughs> yeah. It's just really, really funny to me. And that that's, I think that's one of those special things. It's it, And that's where it's, you know, kind of to compare it to like, that's where it does become an art form because that's where it's like you can see a painting and just be like, this moves something in me and I don't know why. It's just the way these colors come together. Or a certain song where it's like you just every now and then a song that just makes you feel something in your chest. Right. And you're like, I don't know. It's And it doesn't even to be like, it'll sound like a song you've heard before even, but it'll, and that might be part of it is it sounds like a song you've heard before. You know what I mean? But like right. those moments where you get moved and you don't know why, that's that's kind of how I see comedy. That's, that's how comedy moves me kind of where something that really makes me laugh will will ruin me in the best of ways where i'll just <laughs> yeah where i'll just be in tears and people everyone else will have moved on and i'll still be laughing <laughs> and i'll be like no i'm like because and then i always get into like because if you break it down if you just think more and more if you go two more levels of thinking it gets even funnier you know <laughs> right that's that's kind of how how i don't know how i think about comedy and, and you know, i just i love it i love it so much but that's awesome Anyway, well, that's good. We probably wrap up there, eh? See, it sounds like a good note to end on. I think so. Well, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you in Branson. Much love. Thanks, bye. You guys are a lot of cool.